Well, hello there, top teachers. We are your hosts, Bridget Spackman and Michelle Foray, and we are here to make your life easier by helping you master your time, organization, and productivity as a teacher. Today, we are going to be sharing the top strategy to be prepared months in advance. And I know this is going to be a topic that so many of you are going to be just as excited as we are. So we already know what top stands for. Time, organization, and productivity. Now, just a quick reminder, Bridget and I are holding a live event on Saturday, March 28th at Heritage Hills Resort in York, Pennsylvania. It will be a full day of top PD and tickets are limited. So make sure you head over to our website, teachingonthedouble.com forward slash store to be able to secure your tickets today. And we can't wait to see you there. Now, in case you missed it in our last episode, we really want to know your time-sucking hurdles. Over the past several episodes, Bridget and I have been sharing our time-sucking hurdles, but now we're opening it up to all of you. We want to know what you are struggling with as you try to be productive. So if you haven't already, be sure to head over to our website, teachingonthedouble.com, and submit your own time-sucking hurdle. We also will link it down in the show notes. Now, today's time-sucking hurdle comes from Melissa. And Melissa says that her time-sucking hurdle is chatting with coworkers. Oh, guilty. (laughs) She says, I love the teachers that I work with, but I ended up chatting longer than I should have after school and ended up having to stay really late or come in on the weekend to get my work done. First of all, Melissa, thank you so much for sharing that with us. And second of all, I can totally relate. I have grown really close to one of my team teachers who I've worked with the past three years. And as much as I love our friendship, I definitely know that sometimes our chit-chatting can kind of get in the way of my productivity. And I think that's something that a lot of teachers do struggle with. So Melissa, you mentioned the chit-chatting and I feel I can totally understand you from that perspective. But I also think teachers really struggle with keeping their head above water when it comes to planning out their lessons and getting ahead. I know that when I started teaching in kindergarten, I had a teacher, she was a veteran teacher, and she always had things done months in advance. I remember going into her room and I was with another teacher at that time, we were just kind of coming in to check in on her. And we saw that she already had her Valentine's Day stuff out and printed and copied and ready to go. It was the beginning of January. And we looked at her and said, how do you manage to have all of your things done so far in advance? And I just didn't get it. And it was like, really, really hard for me. Yes. And as a first year teacher, that can be so frustrating because you feel like you're running like a hamster on a wheel as fast as you can, but you're not going anywhere. You're working hard, but nothing's getting done. And that ends up killing your motivation because you see this other teacher who seems to have it all together and they're planned out months in advance. And you're just like, why can't I do that? Yeah. And you just, you absolutely feel like you're drowning. And even if it's not your first year and you have been teaching for years and years, you might be teaching a new grade level or in a new state or or a new county or district for that matter, or a new subject. Either way, it kills your motivation because you don't feel like you can really measure up to where you think you should be. Now, in full transparency, 
I'm not there yet. As in that teacher that is planned out months in advance, that's not me yet. And I'm perfectly okay with that because I do know that I've made a lot of improvements by better managing my time, getting more organized and learning how to be more productive. There was a time, and when I say there was a time, I mean a period of like several years where I was literally planning day to day. I felt like I could never get ahead and all I was worried about is what am I doing tomorrow? But by making these changes, I now have the entire next week planned and ready to go before the current week ends. And for me, that's a huge victory. And I think the important thing to remember is that we have learned a lot of strategies that have helped us over the course of our years in teaching. And so we figured that while we're sitting here trying to help you guys out and share some of these strategies that we've learned, we're going to break it down using top, meaning time, organization, and productivity. So let's dig a little bit deeper into time. Now, our first strategy when it comes to time management is to use micro productivity. Now, obviously the word micro refers to small. So it's exactly what it sounds like. Micro productivity is when you get things done during small amounts of time that you have. Now, this strategy is perfectly suited for getting those small tasks done that you feel like you have to do every day, like answering emails or clearing off your desk, because you can fit those tasks into the smaller chunks of time that you find throughout your day. And that allows you to save the larger chunks of time to get those bigger tasks done, like lesson planning. Now, we have said this before, but you're gonna hear us say it again. If it takes less than two minutes, just do it. Be like Nike and just do it. Don't think about it, don't write it down, just do it. So let me give you all an example. I used to spend a good chunk of my planning time answering emails. And after doing some self-reflection, I realized that that just wasn't the best way to utilize my planning time because I should be using my planning time to uh, plan. So instead, I started fitting in those email responses into any little chunks of time. I'm talking, my kids are lining up for lunch and I'm quickly jotting down a response to an email. And one thing that does really help is I have some email templates kind of saved. We can get into that in a future episode, but that allows me to answer emails more efficiently. So as a result, I stopped using my planning time for that and I could start spending my planning time actually planning because it's better to use those big chunks of time to complete bigger tasks that are going to move you towards your goal, which in this case is to be planned ahead. And speaking of bigger chunks of time, we want to use those big chunks for batching. And if you've listened to our episode on batching, which is episode 008, Get More Done with One Simple Trick, we discuss all of the steps that you can implement in order to make batching successful for you. So when we think about batching, and guys, we're going to say a lot of these things over and over and over again in this podcast because they all work together really beautifully. And batching is one of those things that works really well for time. But here's the thing, I'm gonna ask you, are you doing it? Are you doing all of the things that we are talking about in this podcast? Because chances are you're not. 
you're not truly implementing all of the steps that we're talking about. And this is where it really is important because if you're not taking the time to truly try to implement what we what it is that we're saying, you're not gonna see an improvement. You're not gonna continue to progress towards living the life that you want to live. So let me repeat it. Are you doing it yet? And sometimes we need to hear these things multiple times in order for them to truly sink in. And Michelle, I always think about like that cheesy car salesman video when it comes to like hearing things repeated over and over. You know what the ones I'm talking about? Oh, totally. The ones where they say their phone numbers? Over and over and over again. And so they start with like call 1-800-995-9595. And then like five seconds later, it's like call 1-800-995. And you're like, oh my gosh, how many times is he going to scream that at the TV? And then when you're laying in bed that night, you're like, I need to call 1-800-995-9595. That is exactly right. But that's the thing. Advertising got it right somewhere. They knew that the customer needed to hear that phone number over and over again for in order for it to sink in. So a lot of the things that we're telling you in this podcast, you're going to hear it over and over and over again. So hopefully it starts to sink in. It starts to resonate with you and you start to take action on that. So when we think about batching, let's review it really quick. It's where you take a lot of different tasks and you start to look for a likeness and you start to group them together based on the likeness. And then that way, when you start to find those chunks of time that we talked about just a little bit ago, when you find those chunks in time, you can put all of those like tasks together within that time frame, and your brain can truly focus on being able to get those done because we want to avoid the task switching. Yes, task switching. We want to avoid that. We want to be able to have that time so that our brain stays focused and we get more things done. Now, our last strategy when it comes to time management is having a plan to tackle your to-do list. The last thing you want to do is waste time deciding what to do. And I'm laughing as I say that because this has happened to me more times than I would like to admit, where I sit down to finally be productive and I don't know where to start. I'm like, wait, what do I need to do? What's most important? And it's just an awful feeling and it kills my productivity. So I'm going to recommend to you that you use a power list. Now, you've heard me say this before. At least I hope you've heard me say this before because that means you've listened to other episodes, but I'm going to reiterate it. A power list is a list of those top three tasks that you want to complete for the day. Now, that's going to help keep you focused on what you have to get done. That way, when you find those chunks of time, you're not fumbling around trying to figure out where to start. You know where you're going to start because you have a power list and you're going to feel powerful when you get through it. So Michelle, now that we've talked about time and getting a jump start on that time, let's talk about organization. This is a big one because let's be honest, I feel like there are a lot of teacher hoarders out there. I have to admit my hand is up. I, Bridget Spackman, am a teacher hoarder. I was going to say, because Bridget just showed me her basement where she is keeping all of her kindergarten stuff. And we had a discussion about how she needs to get rid of some of it and she didn't want to hear it. So yeah, Bridget, you are definitely a teacher hoarder. Yeah. And it is so hard for me to get rid of some of that stuff because my heart, I think, is is attached to it. I, I still left a little piece of my heart in kindergarten. 
Well, when we think of organization, it's a lot easier to get ahead and to be prepared months in advance when you know where to find the materials and the ideas in the first place. So for me, I started many, many years ago when I first started teaching, I started binders. And uh, Michelle, I showed you on my kindergarten binders. Y'all, she has cabinets, cabinets of them. I had them organized by units and it just helped my brain. That's the way it works. And I still do it to this day. I have it organized by different units for each of the grade levels because when I'm ready to start planning for that specific unit, I pull out that binder. I pull out the tub that it correlates with because then that tub has all of the activities and the games or the the manipulatives that I've purchased over the years stored inside of it. And I have everything at my fingertips in order to plan. Now, I do things a little bit differently. I'm not really a huge fan of binders. I did try it my first year of teaching and it worked okay for me, but it just wasn't my jam. So I had to find a new system. And what works really well for me is actually storing all of my materials digitally. But I don't just stuff them all, you know, into one spot. I organize them into folders and that makes it so easy to find exactly what I need. So I will first organize it by subject. So I have a folder for math and science and ELA. And then within the subject folder, I then have a folder for each marking period. And then within each marking period, I have a folder for each unit. Now I do have a video all about how I organize my Google Drive. So I will link that down in the show notes if you want to dive into the world of digital. Now, Michelle, I know we're trying to really kind of push teachers to think about months in advance. And so not only is it about knowing where those materials are, but it's also about how to organize those materials so that you are really prepared when it comes months in advance. And something that I started implementing a few years ago is Uh, It's called the 43 folder system. You need to tell them about this because you blew my mind with this whole concept when you first told me about it. It is something that I discovered from the business world and I incorporated it into teaching. And guys, it has revolutionized how I organize my materials. And so here's the idea. You have a file cabinet and within this file cabinet, you have 43 hanging file folders. You then have those file folders, 12 of them are organized by month, January, February, March, April, May, so on and so forth, all 12 months. Then you have 31 folders numbered one through 31 for the 31 possible days that can occur within any given month. Okay, so at any point in any month, you can only get up to 31. You can't go any further than that. So you want to stick to that 31. And so you start it off by having the day that you're working with. So let's just start with one just for the sake of, you know, understanding. And let's start with February 1st. Okay, so on February 1st, I had that folder right up front. I had the February up front because that's the month that I'm in. And the one is right behind it and two, three, four, five, and six. And as I would come in every single day, I would pull out that one. I would look through all those materials, use them if I needed to, put them away if I didn't need it anymore. And then that one would then go from the February, from behind the February to then behind March, because that's when the number one is going to come up again. It goes to the next month that you're going to have. So that way I can 
always be planned out a month. But here's the thing that I love about it is that not only can I organize it by the days, if I know and I find an activity that I just, I think is going to be amazing. And I say, oh, that's going to be a fantastic activity for, you know, Cinco de Mayo, or maybe I want to do it for the end of the year in June before we end up leaving. I could take those materials and I can put it in that monthly folder. So when I get to that month and I'm ready to start processing all of the materials within that folder, I pull it out, I process it, I put it in the day that I want to be able to use that. And then I move on from there. It's been amazing. So those of you listening, is your mind just as blown as mine was? Because it's such a creative idea. And I love that Bridget was able to take this from the business world and make it work for her classroom. I just think that that's wonderful. But I'm going to give you all some tough love, okay? Everybody needs tough love. These systems that we're referring to, they take time to create, okay? It's not going to happen overnight. My beautifully organized Google Drive did not start that way. Okay. My first year of teaching, I had everything stored on flash drives and I had it on random folders on my desktop and it was just a hot mess. It has taken me six years to get to this point. Now, thankfully we're here giving you all the tips that we've discovered along the way. So it's not going to take you as long, but just be patient. Don't expect it to happen overnight. It is going to take you time to get there. And remember, as a first year teacher, if you are a first year teacher or you are about to start teaching, you're not going to have a lot of these materials unless you had a teacher who left you a bunch of stuff. And chances are you might not even want to keep that stuff, but you're not going to have everything that you need. So you're going to be looking for a lot of these materials in the first place. So it's going to take time for you to truly build that. But as you are going along in your teaching career, you're going to want to keep some copies. Guys, whether this is physical pieces of paper or keeping them digitally, you need to be able to find a way to organize them so that you can easily access them from year to year. And that includes saving materials that you acquire from your mentor teacher. I personally interned in a first grade classroom and a fifth grade classroom, and I kept everything, whether it was something my mentor teacher shared with me that she had found, or if it was something that I found and brought to her, I saved all of it. And at that time I was using binders. So I actually still have all those binders from my internship filled with those ideas. Have I used any of it? Not yet, but the day may come and at least I have it and it gives me a starting point. But when it comes to organization, we really want to challenge you to think about how you could reorganize your systems so that it's more efficient for you. And creating these systems is going to allow you to be more productive, which leads us to our final category of productivity. Now, I heard something a little while ago from the just productivity guru, Michael Hyatt, and he mentioned that productivity is really not the end goal that you have for yourself. If I sat there and asked, what is it that you want from your life? What do you want to be able to accomplish? Um, Some of you are probably saying, I just want to be more productive. But in reality, that's not really what you want for your life. What you want is freedom. For me, I want to have the freedom to be around my kids more often. I want to have the freedom to be able to come and go as I please to say that, hey, I'm going to go on this big trip with my kids and with my husband. I'm going to enjoy life. That's my end goal. Productivity is a means to an end. So in order for me to get to that end, 
I need to become more productive. And that has completely changed how I view productivity. I experienced this recently. Over winter break, I decided for myself that I did not want to have to work on school at all over break. I didn't want to have to think about it. I didn't want to have to whip out my grade book on the last day and try to get stuff done. It just wasn't what I wanted. So my end goal was I didn't want to have to work over break, but productivity is what allowed me to get there. I was super productive the two weeks leading up to winter break to make it so that I did not have to work over break. So Michelle wanted to be able to not work over break. And so in order to do that, she had to set a goal for herself and she had to work on building those habits necessary in order for her to be able to reach that goal. And guys, we have an entire episode that talks about goals and habits. It's episode 001, how to create new habits for a successful school year. And we'll link that down in the show notes. Now, the last thing I wanted to talk about when it comes to productivity is actually a formula. I'm a little bit of a math nerd, and by a little bit, I kind of mean a lot, but it's okay. I'm proud of it. Feel free to judge me. This is just the way that I think about productivity in my head, and for me, it makes a lot of sense. I've never shared this before. You all are the first ones to hear it. Hopefully, it makes sense for you. If it doesn't, just pretend I said nothing, but I think of productivity as being efficiency plus motivation. That means if I want to increase my productivity, I have to increase either my efficiency or my motivation, or even better, I have to increase both. If I increase only one area, either the efficiency or the motivation, my productivity will still increase. But the easiest way to increase it at a faster rate is to increase both my efficiency and my motivation. So I have to make sure that I am being as efficient as possible. That means I'm not recreating the wheel. I'm using templates of things I've already created or I'm finding resources that other teachers have already created so that I don't waste any of my valuable time. I also have to make sure I'm feeling motivated because that does play a huge factor in my ability to be productive, okay? Motivation or the lack thereof is real. So I like to keep that end goal in mind. If my end goal is to have more freedom and not have to do work over break or over the weekend, I'm going to focus on that. And I'm going to ask myself, all right, Michelle, how bad do you want that? Because if you truly want that, you need to put in the work in order to make it happen. Now, we just gave you a ton of information inside of this podcast. So what we have created for you is a monthly guide to your planning success. And Michelle, guess what? What? It's free. Oh, I was so hoping you were going to say that. It is. It is such a good thing to have it as a free resource for all of you. So you can head on over to teachingonthedouble.com forward slash 009 to grab the step-by-step guide for preparing for your month in advance. Now, this guide is literally going to take you through some important guiding questions that you need to think about in order to prepare for your upcoming months. So guys, until next time, be timely, stay organized, and be productive. Bye-bye. See ya.